If you have your Bible today, I'd like you to open with me to the Gospel according to Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 13, and we will begin in verse 18. Luke chapter 13 and verse 18. And uh, today's text marks a transition in Luke's Gospel and in Jesus' teaching, because up until this point, Jesus has been teaching the multitudes, and He will continue to do that. But if you've been following along with our study, know that um, the last several weeks that we've looked at this, Jesus has had one theme that he's been teaching on. He's just been hammering it time and time again, and he's just been calling people over and over again to prepare to meet God. And the way that you do that is, to, uh, is through repentance and faith, to repent of our sins, to turn from it, and to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ alone for salvation. And I mean, week after week, he's just been hammering that over and over and over again through direct teaching, through parables, and, and all sorts of things. And today is going to be a, a bit of a pivot because he's been teaching the multitudes. And, and from this point on, up until the first part of chapter 17, he's now going to start talking a lot about the kingdom of God. And so, um, uh, and, and he does this in various ways. The way he's going to do it today is through parables. And so you remember a parable, what it does is, is you take something that's unknown or unfamiliar and you lay it beside something that is known and is familiar. And what is known and familiar will help you understand, understand that thing that is not known or not as familiar. And so that's what Jesus is going to do in our text today. Now when we talk about the kingdom of God, understand we're not talking about a specific plot of land. Okay, there are no borders to it. There's no wall around the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a worldwide kingdom. It's any place where God's rule and reign is present in the life of believers. And so what Jesus is going to do in our text today, it's very short. He's going to give us two word pictures in parables that illustrate what the kingdom of God is like. And so if you found Luke chapter 13 and uh, verse 18, I'd like you to stand if you're able. We'll pick up there and read down to verse 21 and uh, see what the kingdom of God is like. So he was saying, What is the kingdom of God like, and to what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and threw into his own garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air nested in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour, until it was all leavened. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, in some of the texts that we look at in, in the Scripture, some of them are very uh, application-heavy. Some of them don't really require very much explanation. It's just all applica- application. Some of them are more instructive, and that's what the case is today. It's very instructive, and it gives us really facts or descriptors about the kingdom of God. And so, so what I'd like to do is I'd like to walk with this, uh, walk with you through the text, and act kind of like a tour guide. If you've ever been on a, on a tour, and the tour guide will point out some significant features here and there. And that's what I want to do. I want to highlight some, uh, some different things and, uh, and, and see if we can learn some things about the kingdom of God. So if you look at verse 18, notice how it starts out. It starts out with the word, so. Now remember what Jesus has just gotten through doing. He's freed a woman who had been bound by Satan and his, and his demons for 18 years with an illness. And this illness had her stooped over. She couldn't stand upright. And Jesus freed her from that on the Sabbath. Now, most people there, the people in the synagogue, who saw when Jesus did that, they began to praise God. But the, but the synagogue official, whenever he saw that, he got very upset. He, he, the Bible says that he was indignant because he saw Jesus do this and he believed that it was work. And so he said, come the other six days of the week, but don't do it on the Sabbath. Don't come for healing on the Sabbath, get it another day of the week. And so he became indignant and then response to all this, verse 18, so Jesus teaches what the kingdom of God is like. 
Now, there are some people who understand Jesus' teaching as talking about some negative aspects of the kingdom. And one of the main reasons they believe that is because if you'll notice that second uh, picture that he uses is the picture of leaven. In the scriptures, usually, not always, usually when leaven is used, it is used to speak of the pervasive nature of sin. And so when they see this, coming right after this synagogue official's response, they see that as as, uh, indicating what people's response is going to be like in between, uh, like, like during the age that we're in right now, that people are going to be indignant about the things that Christ is doing, things like that. I think that totally misses the point of what's going on, and, and, and I'll explain what I mean when we get into it. But if you look at verse 18, Jesus tells us what the parable is about. And I appreciate that because I'm pr- pretty dense. You know, sometimes he'll tell a parable and he doesn't, he doesn't give you on the front end what it's about. But he does here. He says, this is what this parable is about. It's about the kingdom of God. And first, he says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Like a mustard seed. Now, I want to put the brakes on. The first fact of the kingdom is it starts small. It starts small. So Jesus likens the kingdom of God to a mustard seed. Now, if that word picture of a mustard seed is ringing a bell, it's because Jesus uses that same terminology elsewhere in the Gospels. And, and it was used proverbially by the rabbis and other teachers to speak of something back then that was very, very small. A mustard seed is extremely, extraordinarily small. He says in another place, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to, to fall into the sea and it will happen. In other words, God will respond in mighty ways to even the smallest amount of faith. And so here he uses that same picture, the picture of a mustard seed. And it's a proverbial way to speak of something that's very small. He's not saying it's the smallest seed in all creation because sometimes people that are hostile to the faith will look at this and they'll say, oh, see, this this is an error in the Bible because Jesus says it's the the smallest seed in another one of the Gospels. He's speaking proverbially of something that's extremely small. It is actually the smallest seed that the uh, people in that area would plant in their gardens and in the fields, this is the smallest seed uh, that they would that they would plant, and so that that part is is uh, like I said, it's a common way of, of of speaking. Anyway, so anyway, this is a proverbial way to speak of something that's very small. In fact, a mustard seed is so small. Just in your mind, guess how many it would take to to make an ounce? Just think in your brain. Now double that, and probably double that again. Because it would take about 20,000 mustard seeds to make one ounce. That's how, that's how small they are. So, so he is saying that the kingdom of God starts incredibly small. And here's this incredibly small thing that a man threw into his own garden and it grew into a large tree. And that's the second aspect that I want you to see. The kingdom of God is growing. The kingdom of God is growing. Now if you, look at, if you, if you watch the news, you're not going to get that idea, will you? If you watch, if you read the thing, if, if you read the comment section of a Facebook, like if there's a news article posted and there's a comment section under that, if you read that, you will lose all hope for humanity. Because, I mean, some of, the, some of the comments in there are just appalling. But listen, the kingdom of God, it started small. It started with an itinerant rabbi followed by 12 ordinary guys, fishermen, uh, you know, a tax collector, just normal guys. And yet here we are 2,000 years later, Billions of people have named the name of Christ throughout the ages. It started small, but it didn't stay that way. And if you'll notice, this mustard plant grows into a large tree from that tiny seed. 
Now the mustard plants that they have over there are not like the, not like we have over here because of their hot climate. Those mustard plants will actually grow to be a ten foot tall. And in fact, they can be so big that some of the rabbis and stuff would talk about climbing them like you would climb a fig tree. And listen, all that happened in a single growing season. That is rapid, extreme growth. It's a growing kingdom. Jesus himself said he was responsible for the growth. Matthew 16, 18. He said, I will build my church. Paul said much the same thing in 1 Corinthians. You remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, he said, I planted, Apollos watered, but what? But God was causing the growth. And if you look at verse 18, he goes on to say that it was so big that the birds of the air nested in its branches. Now, I want you to look at verse 18 in, in your Bible. Because in mine, the last part of, or sorry, verse 19, the last part of verse 19 looks different in mine. And it may in yours as well if you have a, a fairly modern um, printing of the Bible. And the reason for that is because in mine, it sets Old Testament quotations off by putting it in all caps. And yours might do something similar. And so what happens is in the Old Testament, in a few places, places like Daniel 4 and Ezekiel 17 and I think Ezekiel 33 and some other places, it talks about kingdoms, earthly kingdoms. And those are pictured as trees. And it, it pictures the, the, these kingdoms as, as large trees that animals and, and birds of the sky could come and take shelter under and, and could nest in and things like that. And what he's talking about, he, he's saying this kingdom is going to start really small. It's going to grow to be this huge thing. And it's going to encompass peoples from every tribe, tongue, and nation. It's not just for the Jew, but also for the Gentile. Peoples from all over the world are going to be part of this kingdom. They're going to nest in its branches, so to speak. And finally, this, this parable points out that, that the kingdom has an outward and a visible character to it. It is outward and visible. Listen, when God's people do what God wants in God's world, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be noticeable. It's going to draw attention. It's going to be different from the way the world is. So it's, it's visible. You can't hide a 10-foot mustard tree. It's visible. It's outward. But then he goes on to give a second parable about leaven. Today we call it yeast. And of course you didn't go to, you didn't go to Walmart and buy a packet of yeast and put in your dough. Once you got some yeast leaven, or some, some dough leaven, what you would do is you would tear off a piece of it. And then the next time you made dough, you'd stick that in the dough that you were making. And then that would leaven that lump. And then you'd tear off a piece of that. The next time you made dough, you put that in there and it would leaven it. And it would just be an ongoing thing. And so leaven is what we today we call yeast. It, it makes it makes things poof up. Now that's not a technical baking term, but you know what I'm talking about. It, it makes it poofy, light, airy, fluffy. Now Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a woman who leavens dough. Now you'll notice some similar themes in this passage, but there are some important differences. The first I want you to see is that the kingdom is not always immediately visible. Because we just got through saying this tree is visible, it's outward, it's open. But he points out that the kingdom of God is not immediately visible at all times. Look at verse 21. It is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. She hid it in the lump of dough. No, she didn't lay it on the dough. She put it in the dough. And listen, God has put you, Christian, in the world. 
He has put you right where you are in your family. He's put you where you are in your job. He has put us in the world. The late evangelist Vance Havner once said, The Christian has been saved out of the world. He is in the world, but not of it. And he is sent into, into the world to win what others out of the world, which is his business in the world. God puts you where you are in the world so you can lead people out of the world. That's your whole job in the world. Your job is to lead people away from Satan and to God. God puts you where you are in the world to win others to Him. And just like putting yeast in the dough, once it's mixed in, listen, it's not immediately visible. And sometimes when God works, He's working behind the scenes. You see it in the book of Esther. You read the book of Esther and all this stuff is happening with with Haman and Mordecai and Esther and the king and all this different stuff. And God's not even, he, he's not front and center. He's not mentioned. I mean, they talk about prayer and things like that, but you don't, you don't have a description of God orchestrating events and being sovereign over nations and anything like that. But God is working in the background. He is doing things that's not, they're not always immediately visible. Second, just like the leaven, his kingdom is pervasive. It's pervasive. It permeates. It influences everything around it. Now, in our family, in our household, we make homemade pizza pretty often. And one of the things that um, that that you've probably noticed if you made pizza, or if you made bread, or anything like that, is that when you mix it up, and you have the yeast in there, and assuming it's activated and all that stuff, at first it doesn't look like much of anything, does it? I mean, it's it's just a lump of dough. But then you leave it. And you come back an hour later, and what's happened? Well, hopefully, it's great big. It's, it's overflowing the, the, thing, the, the bowl that you have it in. I mean, it's, it's, it's doubled in size. It's gotten great big. It's, it's pervasive. This little bit of leaven will permeate, will pervade the whole batch, given enough time. And that's what this woman is confident of. It, says, it talks about her putting it in three pecks of flour. That would be about 50 pounds of dough. And this woman was confident if she just put a little bit of leaven in there, that given enough time, it would leaven the whole lump. And likewise, the kingdom of God will influence and transform the culture, and it'll transform the world around it, given enough time. Now, what are, what are some applications from this? Well, again, this is more descriptive than anything else, but I, I do want to, uh, to, to try and apply this and and maybe give a couple of words of encouragement. The first encouragement relates to both our evangelistic efforts, but also our outlook on life. Christ is growing His church. He said He is responsible for it. I'm not growing God's kingdom. You're not responsible for growing God's kingdom. That is what Christ is doing. God is growing His kingdom. Even if it doesn't look like much is going on, Christ will build His church. Even if the returns are not immediate, Christ will build His church. Even if the nations rage and devise a vain thing, Christ will build His church. Regardless of of who's in the White House, regardless of who's in Congress, Christ will build His church. And, and, And God is at work, and He is the one who is working day in and day out. And one day, His kingdom will fill the earth. And again, sometimes we watch the news. We see these tragedies go on. Uh, no doubt I've heard about the stuff happening 
in, uh, in, in Buffalo and down in Texas and all these terrible things. You, you read about uh, different uh, things happening in culture, and it's just it's depressing. You say, well, where is God? God is building His kingdom. It starts small. It's growing. It's not always immediately visible, just like the effects of the leaven on the dough. The second encouragement I, I want to uh, leave with you is about your personal growth. Because our growth as a Christian is a lot like our growth physically. And that is it tends to be pretty slow. Not outward, because that, that's pretty fast. But upward, as we get older, right? And maybe you, maybe you parents have done this. You took a picture or got a picture of your kids at the beginning of a school year. And then you got a picture at the end of the school year. And day by day, maybe, I mean, sometimes they just wake up or they come home from school and they look like, holy cow, they just got older. They look different. But usually it's just that slow, steady change. It's gradual. And you compare those pictures, and all of a sudden, this one that went to school as a little kid came back as an older kid. And there's a visible difference, a visible change. Life is like that a lot. We may go through growth spurts as a Christian, but usually it's, it's that steady, day-by-day process. It's gradual. It's almost imperceptible sometimes. And sometimes we look at our Christian lives and we're frustrated because we know that we're not where we ought to be or, or where we'd like to be. We look at it and say, well, how am I still doing this? This is what I was doing five years ago. Or I'm still struggling in this area. Or why am, I, why am I doing this? I mean, I've been a Christian for 40 years. Or I've been a Christian for two years. Or, or whatever it is. Listen, God is at work in you to will and to do of His good pleasure. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And yes, you can look at your life and say, I don't see much growth. But you, can, you, you should be able to look back to last year, two years ago, five, ten years ago, and recognize there's been a change. You are not in the same place spiritually that you were back then. You have grown. You have matured. Your faith is deeper. Are you perfect? No. Do you still struggle with stuff? Yeah, some of the same stuff that you, uh, I mean, some of that stuff you may deal with the whole rest of your life. But listen, there's that, there's that change, that, that, that growth process. It's just like the leaven. When you put the, the, the yeast in the dough, it doesn't automatically poof up. But it's, it takes time. It grows. Just like the, the mustard plant, you put it in the ground, and if you've, if you've planted a garden, if you know how biology works, you know if you plant something, it doesn't immediately spring up and, and bear fruit. It takes time. There's growth. And I just want to encourage you because sometimes we look at what God's doing and don't see what He's doing because He works slowly in the day-to-day circumstances of life. But again, just like the yeast leavens the dough and the mustard plant grows, God is bringing about growth in your life if you are a Christian. Now, when Jesus brought in the kingdom of God, it was not like people expected. Because what did people expect? Well, they expected somebody that's flashy. Somebody that came in and overthrew the Roman government, that set up a new kingdom on earth, and uh, and and they, you know, they he would have a a, a throne, and, and there would be all these officials in his court, and all these different things. And he was telling them there is something different going on that you don't even know. He came in silently, in one little area of the world, and from there, 
it pervaded the whole earth. Here we are in America, 2,000 years later, talking about a, 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 a rabbi in the Middle East from 2,000 years ago. It pervaded the world. His kingdom, his kingdom reaches, reaches every person, every place where his rule is recognized. Now listen, if you would become part of the kingdom of God, it'll happen the, the same way today as it happened back then. And that is through repentance and faith. Repent of your sins, forsake those things, turn from them, and put your faith in Christ alone for salvation. Even, you say, I don't have a lot of faith. Faith the size of a mustard seed. And God will save you. He will bring salvation to your heart. He will forgive your sins. And you will have eternal life. And if you've never done that, I encourage you to do that today. Once you stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, again, I just encourage you to pray. Maybe you are not in the kingdom of God. If that's you, you can be part of the kingdom. Switch your allegiance. Put your faith in Christ. Confess Jesus is Lord with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says you will be saved. And it could be that you're here and you need that word of encouragement, that reminder that even though you are not where you want to be, that God is still at work in your life as a Christian. That he's working in the ordinary circumstances of day-to-day mundane living to transform you into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Maybe you are struggling with something that you just need to confess to Christ. Ask him to forgive you. Our Heavenly Father, God, we, uh, we thank you that just in our run-the-mill mundane lives, that you are at work around us and in us to accomplish your will, to make us more like Christ. And thank you that you are not out of control of circumstances, but you are working all things according to the counsel of your of your will. And God, we don't understand all that's happening in this world, and we never will. But again, we trust you in the in the midst of it. We trust you in the process. And if there's somebody here who uh, who needs to uh, turn to Christ for salvation, I pray that you would uh, let them do that today. God, we thank you that, like Peter, in his time of weakness and sin, 
that whenever he came back to you, that you welcomed him, recommissioned him, put him back into service, and that you'll do that for us as well. In Jesus' name, amen.